So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to to non-hunters that it's it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name. My name. Is, Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. <laughs> Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a, a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Well, uh, all these podcasts are right now being sponsored by Boyke's Biltong. Have you heard of Boyke's no, Biltong? No, I saw this, but I don't know what it is. So biltong is not bulltong. Biltong? Yeah, it's South African jerky. Okay. Really? And, uh, yeah, since even though we've just mass had a massive pancake breakfast and whatnot, yeah. Right, so it's just air-dried beef. That's good. It's really good. It's good, it's tender. Yeah, and it's not, uh, it's got no preservatives, it's got nothing in it. Beef, like red it. wine, salt. It's just for me? This is for your family. Your wife said that she's going to... For me, though, when you say that. For me, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we won't let Trish hear this. <laughs> um, she doesn't... Li anytime I talk, she doesn't listen anyway, so yeah, we're at no was, risk of her hearing this. She was uh, threatening to keep all the biltong to herself, <laughs> by the way. It's pretty delicious. So, uh, I'm, you know, so I'm so brand new to this podcast game, I don't even know, like, you know, I typically just dive right in, but I've learned once you uh, introduce yourself. Um, yeah, my name is Ryan Mickler. And anytime I have the opportunity to introduce myself, I always say I'm a husband and father first. Yeah, for sure. Because that's the most important thing to me. And a hunter. And a hunter. Um, I'm learning, actually. I've only been hunting for a couple of years. Three years? Three. As of this December, it'll be three years. Or November, I think, actually. We are sitting in the back 40. The really? back 40. The back 50. Come on, man. 50. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> we're sitting in the the uh, the first acre of the of the back 50 right here. Yeah, we're sitting in northern Maine right now. It's yep. a blue sky, bluebird day. It's a beautiful day today. Beautiful fall day, September the 5th or September the 6th. And it's just, uh, we said, let's do this outside. We're surrounded by your children. Yep. You might hear them in the background. You hear the dirt bike. One of my boys is riding his motorcycle and my wife's shooting the bow and the kids are... I don't know, they're bickering about something, I'm sure. Hey. But it's good. It is what it is. Enjoy that brick. That's the only package you're going to get. He stole one. Exactly. Man, that was, that was sneaky. I didn't even see that. Very sneaky of him. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I told Trish that I actually had different assumptions last night when we filmed your and Trish's episode. Mm -hmm. That I almost went into it knowing that you had come into hunting as an adult onset hunter. Yeah. And I assumed Trish was following you. Oh, no. And no. it was actually the, the other way around. <laughs> she's been hunt. She's killed more animals than I have, but she's been hunting with her dad way longer than I have. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, I think it was funny because one year uh, we were at the cabin. In, this is when we lived in southern Utah. And her and her father and two of her brothers got up early. And I stayed at camp. And just kind of hung out that morning while they were out hunting. Yeah. And so my mother-in-law and father-in-law were making fun of me <laughs> because my wife's out there hunting and yeah. I'm staying back at camp making breakfast. <laughs> you know? Well, isn't that just uh, isn't that isn't that just a societal perception? 
Uh, no, I don't think so. Why not? Well, if you go back tens of thousands of years, it was the men who went out and hunted. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. That the, there's a that you were getting made fun of. Oh, right, right. Yes, yes, sure, yeah. Um, and and I'm and I'm not saying that women shouldn't hunt or anything like that. I mean, my wife does, and I and and as she killed deer, I mean, it was I was just ex- as excited for her as you know she probably was. Mm-hmm. It was always really cool. Um, but no, you pointed out something right there that is just, you know, it's the expectation was that Trish would have stayed at the camp. Yeah, right, right, exactly. And the yeah. husband, you, Ryan, were going out and hunted. And yeah. our hunting. Right. Yeah. Uh, that that was the perception because that's how they were raised and that's what they knew. And that's traditionally the way it is, right? Generally, I would say. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's cool that we're now a hunting family mm-hmm. as opposed to me just hunting or her just hunting mm-hmm. is that we're all involved. In fact, uh, early in the year for our spring turkey hunt here on the property, you know, we, we shared that task about 50-50 with my son, my oldest son. Mm-hmm. He wanted to go out and so... Uh, I'd go out with him a couple of days, and then she'd go out with him a couple of days in the morning. The deer hunt was primarily my son and I, but, um, yeah, they, they actually had some great... Whoa! Easy. <laughs> we almost went down. <laughs> I wish we had it would have had me. <laughs> uh, we're right. on the back of we a little uh, <laughs> side-by-side here, and one of the kids hit the lever, and yeah. we almost just bit it, both oh, of us. He, don- he hit the, uh, the, the lever to dump the bed, so leave that alone, okay, guys? <laughs> Uh, where was I? We were talking about... You were taking break deer hunting. Yeah, so primarily him and I were out deer hunting, um, but my wife and him had some incredible experiences. Hey, guys. Had some uh, incredible experiences when they were out sitting in the blind turkey hunting. Um, They saw some coyotes, and they had some cool opportunities, and so I love that I can be out there and have experiences with my kids, but then she can also be out there and have experiences with them as well. Let's see if we can try this. Mm-hmm. Try this again. We'll try it again. It's not feeling. No, I don't, I, think don't. It's, I don't think it's locked in. You know what? Let's do this instead. I got an idea. Why don't we just get up in here? I think we'll be all right if we're up in here. This is what the new podcast is like, people. This is how it is. This is reality. Raw. This raw. Is raw. Exactly. This no podcast studio. Yeah, this is what people want, anyways. So I want to talk a little bit about. You know, I want this podcast to be almost iron sharpening iron type conversations mm-hmm. in that you know people and obviously the blood origins project's about trying to figure out what went wrong with not what went wrong with hunting but mm-hmm. maybe that's a good question what's gone wrong with hunting Ryan? why are we a minority group that is not treated like a minority group yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Um, I think the reason that we're a minority, first of all, so let's address, let's tackle that. I think the mi- the reason we are is because it's hard. <laughs> like we've created this this society, and it's wonderful in a lot of ways. Where you know, if you're hungry, you run down to the grocery store and you pick up whatever you want. It's usually processed. It's usually full of additives and preservatives, mm-hmm. and not good and healthy for you. But it's quick and it's cheap, mm-hmm. and it's convenient. Convenience. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't people generally much rather do that mm-hmm. than spend the time and the energy and the money and the effort and the physical exertion and the highs and lows of hunting? I mean, I, like listening to that, it's definitely easier 
and more convenient just to go get a burger at wherever you get your meat. One thousand percent. Right. <laughs> so that's why we're the minority. Uh, but you couple that with just the changing landscape and how people um, are spread out through, throughout the world. You know, we're we're primarily in densely populated urban jungles, mm-hmm. concrete jungles. Mm-hmm. There's no wildlife. I mean, for us to be out here in Maine and to be able to have the property and the land that we do is amazing and it's a blessing and it's not something a lot of people have the luxury of having yeah so that's that's one of the things uh in fact i think that's the primary reason it's just the convenience of it but the things that are convenient are are convenient aren't aren't usually all that meaningful Mm -hmm. like when's the last time you like really enjoyed a hamburger right i mean you might have it you're like oh that was a good hamburger Mm -hmm. but that's it Mm mm-hmm but if you sit down at dinner and it's venison steaks from, a, from an animal that you spent a week chasing or even years mm-hmm. pursuing, catching on a cam, pursuing that animal, missing shots on that animal, yeah. and then that third year it just comes together, yeah. and then now you're sitting together with family and friends and you're eating over your hard work and your hard effort it tastes so much better. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that much better. And uh, society at large, we're just immediate gratification. I, I want everything. I want it now. And in, in many instances, in many ways, it's good. Um, but I found in my own life, whether it's fitness or hunting or running a business, raising my children, that the long game is that much more fulfilling and rewarding. Mm-hmm. But then to your second point about uh why are we not treated like the minority, like you said, which is, that's an interesting perspective. Uh, it's, it's hard. We, we've we been talking about that this weekend, you and I, and Jesse as well. It's hard to reconcile killing an animal yep. with appreciating nature. Yep. So if that's all, if all you ever see is, what do they call them? The grips and grins, right? Mm-hmm. If that's all you ever see then it looks like people are, are just relishing in death of an animal, mm-hmm. a sacred animal. And that's not what it is. Right. But you wouldn't know that unless, I, I wouldn't say immersed, but just opened your mind up just a little bit and tried to get some perspective about this world that, that a lot of people just don't have access to. I didn't have access to it when I was younger. And so when I had my first experience or exposure to the world of hunting, I saw a bunch of deer hanging from outdoor basketball hoops mm-hmm. at my friend's house because mm-hmm. it was opening weekend of the hunt. And so I, that was my first exposure. I must have been 13, 14 years old. And, yeah, that's hard to reconcile. Absolutely. So, so it, takes some, it takes some perspective. It takes some understanding. It takes some comprehension and some, uh, an investment to figure out, okay, what is this really about? And most people won't do that because they're consumed. And I don't fault them for that, but they're consumed with their mm-hmm. lives. You know, it's interesting that you married – two massive <laughs> components of today's society and i and i absolutely agree with you i think that those two components are are two components that are that hurt hunting number one convenience mm-hmm. this idea that i can just go to the grocery store you don't necessarily need to hunt any any longer in today's society because mm-hmm. you can go to the grocery store and get your meat right you don't have to hunt. You don't have to hunt to survive. You don't have to hunt to put food on the table for your family in a survival-type setting. Right. There are certain people still out there, absolutely, but they are the very, very minority. Yes. Me and you, the argument is you don't have to kill. 
because you can go to the grocery store and get your meat. Yeah, but you know what's funny about that is we've also got very, very adept at outsourcing our dirty work. So people will go have that hamburger or have that steak or whatever it is they want, and they'll never they'll never connect it with, okay, maybe you didn't kill that animal, but an animal died. Mm-hmm. At some point, an animal died, and you are now eating it. Mm-hmm. And I honestly believe there's people out there that that there's a lot of people who don't want to think about that, and there's some people who don't even understand that. Mm-hmm. That's a can you imagine not knowing where your food comes well, from? They don't care. They right. don't need to know. They they don't want to. And know. that's what I'm saying. The dirty work is outsourced. Mm-hmm. So they say, well, how could you go kill an animal? Uh, I've had I've had conversations with people very close to me who I love and respect and appreciate. We have a good relationship. Who said that it's it's some animals were raised to die, meaning cattle primarily. Mm-hmm. They're they're raised as beef. Mm-hmm. Okay, well I'd much rather kill an animal that was out in the wilderness that I gave that animal a fair a fair shot. It was me versus him, and it lived an enjoyable life. And one day it's grazing. In, in the pasture, or in the field rather, or in the woods, and it's dead 30 seconds later. Right. Then a cow that is packed in way too tight with other animals is fed all this fattening food, no no way of life for that animal, mm-hmm. that sentient, sentient hum, or, uh, animal, and, and then just led to the slaughterhouse. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, w- what's the better way? Mm-hmm. No, so. there's no doubt that, you know, what we do, and here's the thing, right? We, we're preaching to ourselves who are the choir. And so to me, you talked about there's two other elements. I think there's the the, the convenience of society today. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that. The instant gratification yes. of society today, i.e. hunting as a hunting as a tool, hunting as a lifestyle, hunting as a a, a an outlet requires work requires discipline requires time requires mm-hmm. patience mm-hmm. all the things that <laughs> you would know probably more than better than anyone elements of society that are being eroded yes definitely and in a lot of ways it's wonderful you know i i, I was thinking about when we moved out here to maine from southern utah it took us seven or eight days because we went really, really slow, mm-hmm. we could have probably got here in three to four days. Mm-hmm. Well, it would have taken people years, even a hundred years ago, mm-hmm. to make that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you go back thousands of years ago, and there's people that it new generations were born on their journey to a new place to live. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like so, in a lot of ways, it's pretty convenient. Yeah. If I'm cold, turn on the heater. Yeah. If I'm warm turn on the AC. Yeah. Like that's pretty convenient. But if we don't find ways and you said it perfectly, you said we don't have to do it. Mm-hmm. If you don't find ways and the best word I've been thinking about to describe this is to manufacture some element of hardship in your life, you will get completely destroyed when circumstances present themselves that uh, might put you or the people that you love in danger. So, yeah, you don't have to hunt. Somebody else can kill an animal for you. Or, you know, you don't even have to eat animals. Um, But if you can manufacture that by deliberately stepping into it, 
forget about the hunting, forget about the harvesting food, forget about the conservation, all that stuff's important. But you'll just make yourself a better human being because you do it. Yeah, no problems. I, I totally, I totally, totally agree with you. I think that, you know, one of the other things that I constantly think about is who are we? So the third element, we've talked about convenience, we've talked about instant gratification, and this is all buried in the where did we go wrong? Mm-hmm. And and we didn't go wrong. Like hunting itself didn't go wrong in the idea of convenience and instant gratification because right. that's just a societal change. Right. right. It's not some, that isn't a, a hunting thing. It's right. not a hunting thing, but sure. hunting has rece- is is receiving the outcome of that society. Those two societal changes. Right. 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 The third is really, I think, tied to who we are, who, what we do, and, and, and maybe why the detriment, or why there's a, a, a downfall of, of hunting, if I want to say that, if that's appropriate. In that, who are we, when we, in this digital age that we live in today, the social media age that is tied to instant gratification, the, the um, you know, the adrenaline spike, the dopamine hit that you mm-hmm. get when you get all the likes on your, on your social media yeah. posts. Yeah. What are the dopamine? What is the dopamine response f- from, or, or or maybe better framed, who are we posting for? Right. In my opinion, the the grip and grin, which again I want to be sure that everyone understands. There, I don't. There's nothing wrong with the grip and grin. No. The problem with the grip and grin is that there's no story behind it's it. So the when somebody, of it. it's the perception. Sure. Yep. So when a non-hunter sees that, or an anti-hunter sees that. There's no story. All right. they see is someone smiling over, over a dead, dead animal. That's why the that's why projects like what you're doing now are so important because you're filling in the rest. Which actually, it's not just the rest; it's actually the bulk of it. Mm-hmm. Like the grip and grin, the final shot, the fatal blow. That's the last one percent. Mm-hmm. The ninety-nine percent is. All the videos that I've been sending you over the past couple of months. Yeah, like, yeah. Hey, look at the turkeys look up the here. Turkeys. And here's where <laughs> yeah. these are. And, you know, we've got my, my neighbor told me we've got a bear running around on the property. And so my son and myself and my wife have set up the, the bait site. You know, that's and, and we're, we appreciate that. And we like the game and, and we enjoy the process. That's the 99 percent that most people will never see. And let's be honest, the one percent. That's the excite like that is. Ge- I mean, correct. the rest of it's exciting too. But sure. that is like, that's why you do the ninety nine percent. That's correct. So you should be excited about the one percent. But if that's all non hunters are seeing, we're doing. Well, we're not only doing them a disservice. We're doing ourselves a disservice mm-hmm. because we continue to paint ourselves as the enemy. Mm-hmm. And so when you talk about the downfall or demise of hunting. In a lot of ways, we do it to ourselves because we aren't willing to get people the mm-hmm. rest of the information. Mm-hmm. You know, like when I went on my first hunt, we talked about this a couple of days or last night, um, to be able to sit at a camp and enjoy stories and laugh about experiences and failures and successes. And then when I shared uh, hunt camp with my wife's family for the first time and to see them bonding over just being out and having fun and laughing at each other and with each other, man, that's the stuff people don't experience. Right. I, you know, my greatest hope is that you take this digital age that we're in 
and the grip and grin and we marry the grip and grin which is this it's this narrative for hunting. It's mm. this narrative for hunters. Sorry, it's for hunters. This right. is for our hunting community. This is me communicating to other hunters what I have just done. Right. And to bring a little bit of levity to this conversation, there's uh, I've been accused since I'm about to go to bear camp for the third time, right? I've been accused, not accused, I've been called the berry picker mm. of my hunting of my hunting group because... I have yet to harvest. I have yet to kill. <laughs> right. And so, they, as they explain, Robbie, it's okay. There are hunters and there are gatherers. <laughs> and you just happen to be a gatherer. <laughs> you just happen That's to be the funny. berry picker of our That's group. And, and 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 here's where I, I, I... The reason I say that is that the grip and grin is that symbol to our hunting community of our ability. Right. This is our ability to hunt right. to other hunters. And maybe there's some, and you know, I'll explore this later, you know, in another podcast or another video. There's maybe some primal <clears throat> DNA type tied to that picture because that's the person dragging the deer back to the fire and say, look how great a hunter I am well, to the other hunters of the tribe. And not only that, you think about these tribes, it's a rite of passage. These exactly. boys become men when they go out and they kill their first animal and mm -hmm. they provide for the tribe. Mm -hmm. You know, so yeah, I, when you say it's it's in our DNA, it's primal. I absolutely believe mm -hmm. that. Absolutely. I want to I want to see that primal instinct of the Grippengren married with a lens that says, "What if, if a non-hunter looked at this? Mm -hmm. What do they get from it?" Right. And so you can get the here hunting, here hunters, mm -hmm. here hunting community, here's how, here's what I hunted. Right. And with what. Right. The things that a hunting community wants to hear, wants to see, mm -hmm. but also married with, I just spent seven days on a mountain with snow and sleet and it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life and I right. stalked this animal for two hours and blew the stalk seven times and then once I you know, fulfilled that. I thought about my dad and I thought about my family and I thought about everything. Yeah. And then maybe a picture of the family eating right. the animal. Like I said, I think that's why projects like this one are so important because you're not preaching to the choir. And and there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. Like, Correct. I, I listen to, to hunting podcasts and I have resources that I followed. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's a new strategy or that's something I wasn't aware of. And that stuff's all important because mm -hmm. that makes you a better hunter. But... But this isn't preaching to the choir. And there's a lot of social media is, has has a lot of things <laughs> that are that are challenging with it for sure. But that's also one of the beauties is what you can do and what other guys like, you know, Cam Haynes, for example. And you see a guy like that preparing all year long by mm -hmm. running every single day mm -hmm. so that he can go out and successfully harvest that elk. Mm -hmm. uh, you see guys like John Dudley who every day shooting shooting arrows, you know, working on their form, trying to get their technique down so that when, again, that 1% moment happens, mm -hmm. they can capitalize on that mm -hmm. in the most effective and efficient way possible. That's another thing that people don't see is they don't see, they don't see the, ra the negative ramifications of not having hunters. Mm -hmm. They don't experience that. They don't appreciate what hunting does for conservation. No, you're touching on something that's huge because... 
how do you how do you show that mm-hmm. you can't the only way you can show it is go okay we're out we're out yes and that's going to happen potentially like africa again africa is an easy an easy example because you can show people places that there was hunting mm-hmm. there and is no there hunting isn't. anymore yeah. and the ramifications are there is no wildlife anymore right. you know all these anti hunting bills like, oh, we're saving wildlife. No, you're not saving wildlife. Mm-hmm. You're you're signing the death sentence right. of thousands of wildlife, not even the, the game species that hunters were going after. Mm-hmm. You name it, if it moves, it will be eaten. Right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what else to say on that. I mean, you're you're absolutely right. And it's unfortunate that it has to get to that point before people realize. And, and so I wish those that are trying to enact these these laws and this legislation and these bills and things like this would actually sit down with a member of the hunting community who's thoughtful, who's mature, mm-hmm. who's been in the game for a long time. Not somebody who's beating their chest like you have to be for hunting. Right. Or even or even just some some young kid who, you know, has been hunting for a couple of years. Like you take because there I think I think there could be an element and I've seen guys like this unfortunately that do you know, revel in the kill and like, we're just going to slot. I've seen that, mm-hmm. but that isn't representative or indicative of the community at large. And so you have very intelligent, thoughtful, which isn't a word when you, th- that comes <laughs> to mind when you, th- when most people think of hunting, Oh, these are thoughtful individuals. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Very thoughtful, very intelligent. Uh, and you start bringing these people to the table and having an open dialogue and conversation you might begin to realize the long-term ramifications of some of these legislative uh, bills that are attempting to be being passed. But that, that goes back to our earlier conversation. If, if you shut down hunting in an area, immediate gratification looks like a win. Mm-hmm. Cool win. We saved the animals. Mm-hmm. But you didn't think about the long-term impact mm-hmm. of how that would be a detriment to that area no, no and doubt. the people in that area. Yeah, and I think that's a story to be told to itself, right? Mm-hmm. It's, and... and the hunting community, it, it, we don't really ever focus on that. We don't ever focus on telling that bad story. And unfortunately, we're going to have to. We're going to have to showcase here was the enactment mm-hmm. and here is the result. Right. Like, here's the proof. Yeah. And we talk about proof all the time. We talk about truth all the time. The proof and the truth is happening day in and day out everywhere. Yeah. We're just not, we're not, just not showing it. Well, here's one of the problems, too. When, when you look rationally at a situation you begin to look at the facts and the data and the statistics and the metrics it's it's objective information right that's important but the other side which is hey let's shut down anti-hunting and all that kind of stuff they're telling the story right the narrative Mm -hmm. you know you see tying to people's emotions yes Mm -hmm. and we haven't done a good job at that Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, look at the metrics. Nobody cares about the data. The data is important, mm-hmm. but the general consumer doesn't care. What they care about is the story, mm-hmm. is the narrative, is how does this tie into your emotions? And you're doing a great job at that. There's other people who are doing wonderful mm-hmm. jobs at that. That's what needs to happen is let's tie the data with the ability to tell a story. And I think that's when it, what's going to begin to move the needle. 100%. 100%. Well, man... It's uh, it's getting hot. It's freaking nine forty-five in the morning in Maine. Feels like it's getting close to Mississippi weather. It's getting hot. It's a little muggy today. I feel like too, but uh, 
you guys get on got to get on the road you have a yep. you have a hunt this week yep thank you brother thank you much appreciate you yeah we're glad you came out we had a great time over the last couple of days and we really appreciate the friendships and the ability to tell stories and I'm anxious to hear how the hunt goes. Third yeah. time's a charm. Appreciate the hospitality. No more berry picking. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.